Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is taken from our Fear Not series, which is taken from the stories of Christmas. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, I love, uh, I love the Christmas season. I, I love the, uh, I've always enjoyed the Christmas lights. I've enjoyed going around and seeing that. We got to do a little bit of that. This week, and I love the Christmas music. I love singing. I, that song, Adore, that we sang first this morning, I, I first heard that song a few years ago, and it became one of my Christmas favorites. Man, I just love, I love the truth of that song. But uh, something I, tr- I really enjoy about the Christmas season, and maybe you do as well, is I love getting together with family. And it seems like it's the time of year where you get a little bit more time with family. Uh, if you like your family, you probably like that. If you don't, then you probably don't like it, but I like it. I enjoy my family. We enjoy spending time with, uh, with my, uh, my parents, of course, and though we live around them, it's good when my sister Dawn is able to make it over and, and any family, and so uh, for us, yesterday was one of those days. We had, <coughs> excuse me, we had a number of a family come in town and, and spend some time together. We did, got to kind of do our Christmas meal together. We did Christmas tacos, uh, which one of my nephews absolutely hates. He's like, why can't we just eat ham and turkey like a normal family? And we're like, I I said to him yesterday, I said, well, growing up in Colorado, we actually went to Chinese food on Christmas day. So uh, it was different. But uh, we got to spend a lot of time with our family and a couple of the family members that came over is my sister uh, Dawn and her husband Jim. And those of you uh, maybe that have been around for some time, you've met Dawn and Jim. They've been here a number of times. Jim is a pastor over in Spokane. But as I was thinking about them coming over this weekend, uh, I was reminded of their engagement story. And uh, the story took place 29 years ago. Uh, 29 years ago, my sister and Jim, they, uh, they were in Bible college in Springfield, Missouri. We lived in Colorado. And I remember my sister got home uh, for Christmas break, and she got home heartbroken because they had just broken up. And trust me, we knew that they had broken up for like the first two weeks that she was home because all she did was sit around and cried and complained about life and how miserable she was. And uh, you know, if you've ever gone through a breakup like that, and then she just, she was just miserable the entire time. And I remember as just a little kid there, of course, I was, I think I was seven years old, seven or eight years old, something like that. And uh, I remember her just kind of whimpering through the holiday season and came to Christmas Day. We had a good Christmas. We still have video of all of this. We had a good Christmas Day. And, um, and then on the next morning, the day after Christmas, the 26th, our doorbell rang. There's a knock and a doorbell, and the doorbell rang and knock at the door. And we opened the door and there stands Jim, the guy that had just broken her heart, you know. And he's there, and he came in, and he spent some time with us, and he just said, hey, Don, I want to I spend some time with you. Would you, uh, would you come with me? And so Jim and Don, and then my other sister, Dina, and uh, probably her boyfriend at the time, they all got in the car, and they, they went away for the afternoon. And they drove from Greeley, Colorado, about an hour away, 45 minutes away, to a town called Estes Park. And Estes Park, Colorado, anybody know where Estes Park is? Beautiful area. Estes is an absolutely gorgeous area. And they, they drove up there, and they got um, 
right up to a river right there that comes out of Estes Park with the Rocky Mountains in the background. Just a beautiful scene. And Jim said, hey, we're just going to stop here. Don, I want to talk to you. And of course, she didn't know what to expect because they officially hadn't been dating for a while, you know. And uh, he, he took her down by the river, and my one sister got out the big video camera, looked like a TV, you know, and uh, got out the big video camera because she knew what was coming. And right then, Jim, uh, right next to that river, he, he dropped down and he proposed to my sister, Dawn. And of course, she was, she was absolutely just amazed because they weren't together at this time. And uh, they, they, she said yes, and now the rest is history, and they have uh, five kids and a bunch of grandkids, and they've been married for almost 30 or 29 years. And it's just a great story. But my question to my brother-in-law, of course, I was just a little kid. I don't really know about everything going on. But my question to him was, Jim, what changed? Like, what changed? Because here you were, I mean, he had made up his mind at, at this time. Now I know the story. At this time, they had broken up like two or three times, and, and Jim was just really apprehensive about this. And he, he felt like it was what God wanted, but he was just super scared and, and didn't, man, I just, I don't want to take the step. I don't know if I'm, if I'm ready to get married. And he had this in his mind. And I remember asking him this, and I even asked him yesterday just to clarify. I said, Jim, just answer me this question. What changed? Why the change? You, you had made up your, one, your mind about one thing, and then all of a sudden you had a change of mind, a change of heart. What changed? And Jim, he stood there even yesterday, and he said, well, Dennis, he said, honestly, there's a lot of things that I could probably point to. He said, but one thing that stands out in my mind is a letter from your mom. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, your, your mom wrote me this letter, and she told me, uh, you know, basically that I was making the biggest mistake of my life, not, not marrying Dawn, and that I, you know, was going to be miserable. And he said, when I read that letter, he was like, I knew that I needed to do some soul searching. I knew I needed to figure out, okay, God, what do you really want? And Jim says it was that letter that was the catalyst for him to realize this is, this is what God would have for me. And it wasn't my mom saying, you need to marry my daughter. It was my mom saying, hey, you need to not miss God's will. And I remember, of course, them getting married, and I love my, my brother-in-law and my sister. But as I look at their story, I think about all of us, that all of us probably, maybe it wasn't an engagement, but we all probably have moments in time where our mind was made up. Where we, we were, I, I, am my, I am settled in my heart about this. And we were settled in one direction. And then something happened. And in that moment, everything changed. In that one moment, everything changed. And the direction we were going perhaps became a new direction entirely. My brother-in-law was set upon not getting married. And then God changed his heart and, and changed that direction. And every one of us, we have times of, <coughs> excuse me, we have situations that change our heart or change our direction or change our, our mind. And this morning, I want us to come to the mo that moment in the life of shepherds. It was a life-changing moment, the moment when everything changed. It was that one defining moment when they, had, they were doing one thing and their emotions were one way, but then they had one moment 
that literally changed the entirety of the rest of their lives. It's found in Luke chapter number two. And so take your Bible if you would. And I want you to open your your Bible to Luke two. And we're gonna begin in Luke two, verse number one. But before we get there, we need to remember where we are in our story. If you were with us a couple of weeks ago, we started the story in the little town of Nazareth. Nazareth, just that little podunk town a few miles away from the Sea of Galilee. And it was there in Nazareth where we read in Luke chapter number one about a young girl, a young virgin girl who was probably about 14 or 15 years old. This young lady by the name of, of Mary. And Mary is, is there one day and all of a sudden an angel appears unto her. And the angel says unto her, Hail thou that art highly favored among God. The Lord is with you. Blessed art thou among women. And you can recall that, of course, we would maybe be fearful at the sight of the angel, but she's fearful at what the angel said. I'm highly favored. I have a lot of grace. I'm, the Lord is with me. What does that mean? People are speaking highly of me. What does this mean? And we were there as the angel said unto her, Fear not. Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Mary, I'm about to tell you some things, but there is grace, there is strength for the journey you're about to go on. I don't know about you, but the next bit of information that she receives, you would definitely need strength for. (laughs) I would need strength for, and she needed strength for. Because the next bit of information that she would receive is, Mary, you're gonna have a child. Even though you haven't known a man, even though you haven't been physically involved with somebody, you're gonna have a miraculous birth of a child, and that child is not gonna just be any child. It's going to be the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Her question, how can this be? See, I know not a man, and the angel says to her, hey, uh, there are some things that are impossible to you, but with God, nothing shall be impossible. It's miraculous. And Luke 138 declares for us the the heart of Mary. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. I'm just a servant. All right, I'm just gonna trust you, the Lord. Trust you, Lord. And why was Mary able to say that? She was able to say that because there was grace for her. Fear not, Mary, there is grace for that. Well, right shortly after that, we would discover that in that little town of Nazareth, which is not really so little anymore, this would be a, a picture just a couple years ago in Nazareth, but these are the hills there, and as Mary would begin to try to figure out what's going on with her life, the Bible tells us what we covered last week in Matthew chapter number one, that it's made known to Joseph that she's expecting and that the child is, is one given of the Holy Ghost. And of course, we read last week as Mary perhaps told Joseph this, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a baby, but Joseph, wait, wait, no, Joseph, don't, Joseph, stop. Listen, it's of the Holy Ghost. And of course, we watched and listened as Joseph wrestled with emotions last week. And Joseph, he, he kind of sat there really in, in, uh, in some discouragement. He sat there probably in some frustration, in some, some anger, in some jealousy, no doubt curiosity. Joseph was just there wondering, uh, is this true? Is it real? And the Bible tells us in Matthew 1 that he began uh, to think upon these things. He, he, he didn't know if he should marry her anymore, but he didn't want to have her executed. He didn't want to have people stone her as the law would call for. And so he said, well, I'll just, I'll just do something something in the shadows. We'll take care of this privately and I'll, I'll put her away. And then he goes to sleep thinking those thoughts. And as he drifts off into sleep, the word of God tells us that an angel appears to him in a dream. And the angel gives him a fear not. 
the fear not for Joseph was, hey, Joseph, fear not to follow the Father's plan. Hey, Joseph, I've put this in your heart for you to marry, marry, (laughs) for you to, I guess there's really no other way to say that. God says, I've put it in your heart for you to marry, marry, and I don't want you to go back on that. Joseph, this is my plan, and you can trust me. What she's telling you is the absolute truth. And Joseph woke up from sleep. The Bible says that he, he did what God had told him. And he just followed through. And Joseph had to learn, hey, I don't need to fear. I don't need to fear when the Father's giving me the instructions. And the same is true in your life, that when it's the Father that says, hey, jump. When it's the Father that says, hey, take that step, we don't need to fear because the Father's in it. We don't need to fear the Father's plan. Well, this week, as we continue in our journey, I want us to see what transpired in the lives of Mary and Joseph just following these months of expectancy, and then uh, we're going to look at the birth of Christ this morning, but then specifically, I want to look at the shepherds, because they have a moment we're going to see in just a second, a moment where they are fearful, but then a few verses later, we find them glorifying God and rejoicing and praising God, and my question to them, just like my question to my brother-in-law is, what changed? Why the change? You were, you were thinking one thing, what changed it to the other? Take your Bible, if you would, and go to Luke chapter two and verse number one. Let's stand together. Luke chapter two and verse number one. <clears throat> Read here this morning. It came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. He went up to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there in Bethlehem, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she, Mary, brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Man, I love those first seven verses, the birth of our Christ. And of course, the story, we, we aren't going to cover a lot of these verses today. Just wanna kind of give us the thought that the taxing went out. Joseph had to go from Nazareth all the way south, about 90 miles for us. And he did that, of course, uh, on the, the back of a donkey probably, or maybe a, a camel, but we would assume a, a donkey because of the the financial case that they were in. They traveled 90 miles with a eight and a half month old or eight and a half month expecting wife. I, I don't know about you, but I didn't like traveling with a five month expecting wife. I don't know about eight and a half months. Actually, she probably didn't like traveling with me. That's how that probably works. And they travel this 90, 92 miles. And they get there, of course, trying to find a hotel, trying to find the inn, something that they could stay in, maybe just a room to rent. They couldn't find anything. And the word of God tells us that they end up in a stable. They end up in a stable. This wouldn't be like a stable that we would think of. This would actually be a a hewn out cave in the side of a hill. And they end up with the animals and it's there that she gives birth to the savior of the world. It's an incredible story. 
But it continues, verse number eight. It says, and there were, in the same country, there were shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid. I love the verse, they were sore afraid. They were, the verse, we would use the phrase, absolutely terrified. That's what we would say. They were intensely scared. But I want you to notice, jump with me all the way down to verse number 20. Verse number 20. Because here's what we read about the shepherds in verse 20. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen, that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Mary and Joseph travel to Bethlehem. They give birth to Christ, to Jesus. At some point during the night when Jesus was being born, an angel appears to some shepherds in Bethlehem. And their very first reaction, the very first uh, moment when the angel appears is filled with intense fear. But verse number 20 declares for us that just a few short hours later, they were filled with rejoicing and then glorifying and praising God. The question that I ask to them is why the change of heart? How did they get from fear to eventually praising God, glorifying him and worshiping him? And ultimately this morning, we're going to see that that, their, that change in their direction all boils down to one moment. One moment within this story that completely changed their outlook in their situation and would change the future of their lives. And I think that if we tune in this morning, I think God can use this to help us understand that our fears, our fears as well, can turn to rejoicing because of one moment. Lord, I thank you for the day, and I pray right now that as we look into your word, I pray, God, that you'd speak to me, and then, Lord, I pray that you'd speak through me. I pray, Father, that you'd help every one of us today to allow you to capture our attention, Lord, that you would be with every word that I speak and every action that I have, that it would be spirit-filled and led of you. Lord, I pray that you'd help each one of us to hear from you exactly what you have for us today. And before I close my prayer, would you just take a moment in the quietness of your heart and would you ask God to speak to you this morning? Lord, again, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for how you desire to use it to speak to us. I pray that you would do just that this morning. We commit our time to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You go ahead and be seated. As we come to Luke chapter number two this morning, I want to first off, in looking at the lives of the shepherds, I want to notice their fear. I want you to notice the fear that takes place. We read it just a moment ago, but take your Bible and look at verse number eight, where we read these words, and, in their same, and there were in the same country shepherds. They were abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and lo, all of the sudden, that's the, the word low, all of the sudden, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid. We find the Bible opening up about these shepherds on the hillside of the, right outside of the city or the little town of Bethlehem. They were just kind of going through their routine. The phrase abiding in their fields, keeping watch over their flock would really kind of simply mean to us just in their routine. They were just going through the mundane. If you've read or done any research about the shepherds, we would know that uh, shepherds, they were really looked down upon. 
Shepherds were seen as the, if I could use the phrase, the lowest of the lows. Uh, People didn't really want their family member to be a a shepherd. Their profession was seen as an undignified profession. It was not something that you desired to grow up to become. Really, it was if you were a family of shepherds, then that's who the shepherds were. It just stayed in the family line. And no doubt, There was a lot of uh, uh, disgrace that was looked upon for shepherds, and yet it's this group, this group that the first announcement of the birth of Christ is made to. And I love that because it's really a great reminder of the fact that Jesus didn't come just to save the, the rich and the famous and the popular. He came to save those of us that would be the lowlies. He came to save everyone. He came to save the rich all the way down to the poor. He came to save the famous all the way down to the, the, those who were unknown by any. When you see this first announcement made, it's made to some lowly shepherds. Well, they're just going through their routine, and I think I've said this. I know last week talking about Joseph, I'm, I'm always intrigued by Joseph. And I said this last week, I believe, that probably some of my most favorite moments in the, the Christmas story, the birth of Christ, is to think about these shepherds. I don't know about you, but you ever been startled? You ever have something just totally like scare you? I should have played the video today. Rob, Rob's back there. I won't play the video. But the other day, I, I was coming out from upstairs and I was bringing a cup of coffee and some water and and uh, I pop, popped my head in the office, and I heard Rob washing his hands in the restroom. And so I set my coffee down real quick, and I got right behind where Mike is right there, kind of squeezed right by the bookshelf, and, uh, and I waited. I waited for about 10 seconds, 15 seconds, and I heard Rob turn the water off, and I heard paper towels rip, and I heard the, you know, kind of hand, there's nothing else going on, and I just kind of stood there heard Rob open the door and I could see his shadow and I saw the light go off and right then I just jumped around the corner and I went bah like that and Rob he turned the corner I'm surprised he didn't punch me honestly because he was just like no <laughs> and I I got a kick out of it I started laughing you know because if, if you know Rob Rob doesn't startle easily like Rob we were talking the other day and Brian was like Robert I don't think I've ever seen you cry I don't, Robert, I don't think I've ever seen you show a lot of emotion. It doesn't startle easily. And that day I got him. I do have it on video. Maybe one of these days we'll show him. I'm just kidding. We also have a lot of videos. My mom's not here today. Uh, uh, my dad there up in Wenatchee. I think she might be at home. She wasn't feeling well. But anyway, uh, my mom, we have tons of videos, tons of videos of scaring my mother. Like all the staff have videos of scaring my mom. Because my mom scares the easiest. I mean, I'm not lying. She could be standing right in front of me, looking me in the eyes and me go, mom, and she'll go, huh. <laughs> it's happened my entire life. My mom scares the easiest. Uh, so if my mom was out there on the night when the shepherds came, she would still be laying out there, have been passed out. It would have killed her. But I want you to imagine with me being those shepherds. I mean, they're just... As their routine was, we would assume that this would be during their summer months because they'd be out at night. They wouldn't be bedding down yet, which they would do during the colder season. 
And so here they are, perhaps in, in the month of, of May or June. It stays light out longer. And I, I just, I kind of think about these shepherds. They're, maybe they're, maybe one of them sitting down and, and they've just started the fire. And they're just warming by the fire, even though it's a warmer season at night, the temperatures would drop a little bit. And so they're warming that fire just there. And it's not a, not a big fire. Maybe there's four or five shepherds or eight shepherds and all of their flocks are all kind of around them. And they have a little central camp there warming up. And I, I don't know, maybe they're talking. And there's a, a, the newbie, you know, the new shepherd that's just trying to, trying to stake his own. Maybe he's a 16-year-old boy. And he's trying to learn, and you've got maybe the, the older shepherd that's there, and he's talking about the good old days. And maybe he's talking about, boy, I remember back when taxes weren't so high. I got some family coming in town because of the taxing going on, and boy, I remember, Sonny, I remember. He's talking about the good old days. I don't know what they were doing. Maybe they're eating some food. We just know that they're just going through their routine. And then all of a sudden, bam! <laughs> the unexpected happens. Now, I don't think there was a big bam, but I don't know what there was. We just know that the scripture tells us that all of a sudden, lo, the angel of the Lord was above them. He was, he was above them, looking down. Uh, some believe perhaps standing right there, maybe they were by a fire. I believe that he's, he's in the sky. And the Bible says that the glory of the Lord shone round about them. This would mean literally that it is, it's like daylight. It's as bright as day. No wonder we read that they were then sore afraid. The word sore afraid, extremely afraid, intensely scared. They were in a moment of terror when this took place. And this moment of terror wasn't uh, one that was immediately calmed down because, you know, they didn't just look up and go, oh, oh, oh it's an angel, it's okay. No, they were, they were extremely afraid to the point. I don't know if they were, knees were, shot, were shaking. I don't know if, if one of them perhaps did pass out. I, we don't know what took place, but we know that this moment of fear lasts long enough for the angel to have to tell them, hey, 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 calm down. Fear not. But their moment of fear, it was just something that snuck up on them. It was like me jumping around the corner, something that snuck up on Robert or sneaking up on my mom, but increased that by a lot. And that's the fear they're facing. As I think about their moment of fear, no doubt it's something that all of us can identify with in a very small way. And while no one here has probably had the experience that they had of an angel appearing, we all deal with unexpected situations that bring fear. We all have moments that we didn't see coming. We all have circumstances that while we were going through our routine of life, something shook us up. For these shepherds, it was this moment of the angel. Man, that angel appeared, and we see them in fear. And when we look 
at their fear this morning, I want us to notice that their fear, it turns into a determination. Skip down, if you would, to verse number 15. Because we read about the, the shepherds in verse eight or verse nine being scared. Notice what we read about them next in verse number 15. Verse 15, it says, and it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. They said, let us now go, and verse 16, verse 14's on there, but look down at verse number 16. Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. <clears throat> the very first time we meet the shepherds, they're going through their routine and their routine's shaken up and now they're in fear. The very next time we read about them, they have a moment of determination. Do you see the, deter the, the determination in verse number 16? Hey, hey guys, let's get up and let's go find this child that was just introduced to us. We're gonna read them in just a moment, but verse 10 through verse number 14 is where the angel says to them that there is born this day in the city of David a savior. So they go from fear to determination. What is their determination about? Well, now they're no longer filled with that fear, but instead they're filled with something completely different. They're filled with a focus, a, a determination to find the Messiah. And if you go and you look at this, uh, the, the account, it they don't speak doubting what was taking place. We don't read that they say, hey, let us go and see whether these things be. Hey, let's get up and let's go and let's see if this is true. No, they believed. That belief, it affected their, it affected their action. They were, they, they, in their intense fear is now transformed into a, an intense desire and a focus. And what do they do? They drop everything to seek the Messiah. They drop everything to seek the Messiah. They, they leave their sheep. They leave the camp. They leave perhaps the warmth of the fire. They leave the comfort. They leave the mundane. They leave the routine. They drop everything, and they go, and they try to find Christ. And I'm gonna expound more upon this in just a second, but I, I just wanna say, I wonder how our lives would change if we had this type of focus in seeking the Savior in our life. I wonder how our outlook would change if we at times would just drop everything and just turn to him. I wonder how our relationships would change if we at times would quit just kind of going through the routine and would stop and would begin seeking him as the Messiah. We focus on and we can pursue so many things in this life. I would encourage us today to have the enthusiasm of the, of the, the shepherds where they drop everything just to pursue Jesus. I wonder, what have you dropped lately to pursue him? What have you sacrificed lately and given up lately to put him first? We read in the story that they pursue him, verse number uh, 15, the end of it, it says, they, they say, let's go see this thing. And then verse 16, it says that they came with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. They come into that stable, that hewn out hole in the side of a, of a cliff, and they get there, 
And the scripture tells us that they, they find the babe wrapped in, in swaddling clothes, in death clothes, burial clothes, and lying in a manger, a feeding trough. This would be a, something similar to what they would have found there in Bethlehem, just a hewn out cave with Jesus and his parents and him lying there in a, in a feeding trough, all the animals still in there. And that's what they found. They found the Messiah. If you go and you read the story, they, we would be led to believe that they share their experience with Mary and Joseph. Maybe, you know, Mary and Joseph perhaps startled. Hey, where'd you guys come from? You know, I'm not ready for guests yet. They're, they're kind of startled with this group of shepherds coming up, and one of them says, Hey, I'm, I'm sorry to bother you, but, well, we were out on the, on the, on the hills, and um, I really don't even know how to tell you this. And I can imagine Mary and Joseph going, no, no, it's okay. <laughs> Go ahead. We have similar stories to tell you. And those shepherds say, well, we were out there doing our thing, and, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, an angel was above us. And this angel told us that, um, that your child's the Messiah. We, we, we just, we had to come. And Mary in that moment, no doubt, is tearing up. Joseph probably looking and thinking, man, I'm so glad I followed God's plan. And Joseph says, guys, it's okay. The angel told us the same thing. And Mary says, Yeah. I remember one day I was just gardening up in, up in my town of Nazareth and, and she begins to recount her story. And then Joseph says, yeah, and I found out and I went to sleep that night and the angel came to me and perhaps they're going, well, what did your angel look like? Oh, well, he looked like this. That's the same one that spoke to me. Listen, we have to know that when we read scripture, there's so much more taking place than just the black and white that we read. These are people's lives. They didn't just come and go, hey, we know he's the Messiah. Have a good day. Woohoo, let's go away, you know. They came in and they had a conversation and they began to go through all of this. And no doubt all of them, the shepherds, Mary, Joseph, all of them, are perhaps that one moment of silence. When everybody is just, I, I've got nothing to say. Why? This is amazing. You see, the shepherds, they would expect to hear about the Messiah, the coming king, being born in a palace, being born somewhere where people would recognize him. I mean, Mary and Joseph, no doubt, they heard for years about the Messiah, and they were thinking, well, when the Messiah comes, he's going to come probably to some rich family, and the Messiah is going to be born uh, up in, in Jerusalem, and everybody's going to know it. And now here they all are, though, in a stable next to a feeding trough whose contents is the Messiah of the world. What a story. They have that determination to seek him. I see their fear. It becomes determination, and that determination, it, it turns into a courage. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 17. We read this. We read that when they had seen it, 
They made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child, and all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Man, now we find these fearful shepherds courageously out telling everybody that they had met the Messiah. After they spend time with Mary and Joseph, they leave, and the Bible says that they made known abroad. This means telling everyone, literally, every single person they're coming in contact with, they go, hey, hey, he's here. Who's here? The Messiah's here. We were just in bed. We were just in the hills, and there's a cave, and there's, a, there's the stable, and, and someone's probably going, dude, slow down. What, what are you saying? And they begin to tell it abroad to everyone, and the scripture says that everybody that heard, everybody that heard, if you look at verse number 17 or verse number 18, everyone that heard, they wondered at those things. They were in awe. They were saying, wow, it's got to be true. Wow, this is a miraculous night. I love the fact that when the shepherds go about recounting the story, they don't go about and telling about their encounter with the angel. Man, this is so awesome. You'll never guess what I got to do today. It wasn't about that. If you read the story, what does it say they told everybody? It says they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. It wasn't about them. It was all about him. This is something that we find all throughout the word of God. When people meet Jesus, they desire to tell others about him. I mean, we see the same thing taking place in John chapter four with the Samaritan woman. We see it with Zacchaeus. You find it with Peter. You find it with uh, King Saul in the Old Testament. King Saul uh, finally understanding what God's plan was for his life. And before he went off the deep end, King Saul had an experience. And after that experience, he wanted people to know who Jehovah God was. I can think about Moses. All throughout the word of God, people who had an experience with God and they wanted others to know him as well. I just want to tell you and I that it should be heavy on our hearts to continually spread the truth of Jesus Christ to each and every person that we meet. When God opens a door, speak up for him. Why? Because you never know who needs Christ. When you've met Jesus, you will want others to meet him and to know him as well. But then we read verse number 20, that ultimately the shepherds, they returned They returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen, everything that they had heard as it was told unto them. But where I started this morning is where I want to end, is what made the difference? How did they go from their moment of fear to a determination to seek the Lord, a courage to speak for him, and a desire to praise and glorify him. What took them from that moment with the the terrifying uh, fear that they were facing? And it's the verses that we didn't cover, and I want you to see them with me, that defining moment. The defining moment, the changing moment in their life. Verse 10 through 14, it says this, and the angel said unto them two words, fear not. All right, angel, why shouldn't I fear? Fear not, for because I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, because unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, 
which is called Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe, the baby, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly, all of a sudden, there was with the angel a, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Can I just tell us this morning that that defining moment with these shepherds, their defining moment was when they found out that the Savior had come. When they found out that there was hope for mankind, when they discovered that the message was to all people, when they heard there was peace and goodwill toward men, when they saw the multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and singing to him, when they heard these things, their fear became determination to seek him and to know him. And then that determination was followed by courage to speak up about him. And ultimately, these undeserving nobodies from the hills of Bethlehem were glorifying and praising God. And I just want to tell you and I in our lives that oftentimes we all face a lot of unexpected fears and unexpected circumstances. There are times when we go through life like the shepherds did, just going through the mundane, the routine, and something happens to shake us up. We have things that come and rob us of our calm. We have situations that turn our perhaps normal and mundane life into an intense and a fearful time. But when we stop to remember that the Savior is here, it can be the defining moment. When we recall that our eternity is sealed with him, it'll cause us to lift up our eyes. And your fear turns into a determination to seek him and know him. And that causes us to trust him and take steps of courage to speak about him. And I simply want to say this morning that we can listen to the challenge that was given from the angel to the shepherds, fear not, because there is great tidings of great, there are good tidings of great joy. Why? Because the Savior's here. Fear not because the Savior's here. Fear not, because there is reason to rejoice. And I just want to tell you this morning that we don't need to go through life with our intense fears ruling our emotions, because there is a Savior. And where we started in this series is understanding that every single one of us, every single person struggles with emotion. And all too often, fear stops our faith moving, our faith forward, uh, excuse me, our forward moving faith for the Lord. And fear causes us to doubt God and, and a situation or a, a relationship struggle or, or a, a health crisis or a financial crisis. It causes us to go through life in fear or even the year of 2020 and allowing that to, to grip us and to cause us to allow a, a sickness to, to help uh, to, to push us into fear. I don't know what it is that pushes you into fear, but I want you and I to understand that when those fearful moments come, we can reflect on the same truth that was given to the shepherds. Fear not. Why? Because the Savior's here. Hey, if you have Christ in your life, you don't need to fear. If you have Christ in your life, you don't need to fear. It doesn't mean you go through life making foolish decisions. That's not what that means. Fear, we know that it's given to us from God. It's an emotion to help us. But fear should not, it should not drive us. We don't need to live this life with our intense fears because there is a Savior for all people. And if you know the Savior, then regardless of what comes our way, we have reason to rejoice. 
Jesus said it this way to the disciples. They came back rejoicing about some accomplishments. And Jesus said to them, hey, don't rejoice in your accomplishments for me, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. (laughs) Hey, rejoice because you have a Savior. And can I encourage you this morning when you realize what you have in the Lord, And that your name is written down in heaven. It will cause you to lift up your eyes. And that fear turns into a determination. Man, God, you saved me. I just want to know you more. And I just want to speak about you more. And in our day and age in which we live, we live amongst a people that are a fearful people. There are a lot of people that live this life with fear. And again, while fear is a natural response and one that we were created with, fear was never meant to control the believer. Paul wrote it this way in 2 Timothy 1.7, God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We were never made to live in fear. And one of the greatest reasons, the greatest reason, that we don't need to go through this life filled with fear is because we have a Savior. Can I remind you this morning that if you know Christ as your Savior, if you put your faith and your trust in him, you have reason to rejoice. You don't need to live in fear. He is alive, he is real, and he loves you. He is very much in control. He knows the situation that you face. He knows the financial uh, crisis that you're going through. He knows that health diagnosis that you just got or that your family just got. He knows the grief that you're going through because of that loss of the loved one. He knows exactly what you and I face. And because of that, we don't need to fear. He is for his people. He brings fulfillment. He brings joy. He brings peace. He brings contentment. He brings that fruit of the Spirit. He is our reason to rejoice no matter what comes our direction. Fear not. Why? Because the Savior's here. We have been made rich because of him. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. I just wanna say today that if you know Christ is your savior, the next time that the devil comes and he tries to lure you to go through your day in fear, remember Jesus. I believe today that believers throughout Moses Lake and throughout Grant County in the state of Washington, the United States, and around the world, believers need to be reminded we serve an all-powerful God. And yet that all-powerful God humbled himself and became a babe lying in a feeding trough to bring you hope to bring me peace, to bring us relationship. And I don't know what fears the devil tries to use to disturb your life. I don't know if it's a fear of the unknown or a fear in a crisis or a situation. I don't know if it's a a fear because of relationships, struggles. But can I tell you this morning that when Jesus entered this world as that little baby, He brought hope for all mankind. 
and we can listen to the, the message of the angels that was given specifically to them, but oh, it ministers so much to us. Fear not. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Because unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, a Messiah, one to meet all of your fears and bring hope to your life. And so if you know Christ as your Savior, I wanna encourage you today, fear not, because the Savior's here. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.